Right, friends, let me greet you again and say how happy we are that you have joined us for the service and to say my thanks as well for the privilege to be able to share just a short message from the Word of God today, trusting that He would convey what He wishes to through the message. So I think it's, it's clear it's been a really tough year in so many respects and also from an education uh, perspective, and I'm sure the children and teachers are glad to be finishing up the year and taking a well-earned break. And I read the other day about a child in nursery school, and the teacher was really urging the child to get down to work. So the boy stopped and looked up at the teacher and said, you do know that I didn't sign up for this. My dad did that. <laughs> and I think we know that submission can be a difficult thing, right from little children all the way up to us as adults. Most notably, submission to God's purposes. It's tough. It goes against our nature. But in looking at the story of Jesus' birth, I was struck by several examples of submission that we see. Submission to God's purposes and his calling. And I'd like us to look at those examples today because I think they will challenge us whether we're Christians and have been for a long time, and also for those who maybe don't have a personal relationship with Jesus yet. So there are four examples that I want us to look at briefly. One of them is a two-in-one. And the first is from Luke chapter 1, verse 26. So perhaps you'd like to turn there. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 I'll be reading through to verse 38. I'll give you a moment to turn there, and then maybe you also want to put a bookmark in Matthew chapter 1, as we'll be referring to that passage shortly as well. I'll be reading from the 84 NIV, but I believe they uh, will be putting up the CSB on the screen. All right, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So if we look particularly at verse 38, it says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. What incredible and immediate submission to the call of God. Think of all the concerns and questions that would have welled up in Mary at that moment. 
the feeling of intense responsibility to carry and bring up the child who would be called the son of the Most High. It's overwhelming enough when a mother learns that she is pregnant, exciting, expectant, but also already a sense of concern and nurturing over the little one, the little life that they are carrying. Now add to that the fact that this child will be the son of the Most High. Yet what is her response? It's an immediate act of submission and faith and obedience to the plan and purpose which God has laid before her. Not questioning or saying, well, this isn't quite the plan I had laid out for my life in the short term. Some commentators suggest that it was in that instant of submission and faith, as she says, may it be to me as you have said, that the virgin conception of Jesus took place. Now the scriptures do not say that definitively, but it's quite a thought. Think about it from Gabriel's perspective as well. God has just directed him to bring this message to Mary, and then in that instant, the person of Jesus had come to be conceived by the Holy Spirit in the very person before him who he was giving the message to. It's like, God, you have given me this assignment, and now you are conceived in the very person before me. It's incredible. There's an article on the Desiring God website uh, referencing John chapter 1, verse 14, which says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the article goes on to say, wow, the architect of the universe designed a woman's body to bring forth life, and then he entered into that process by becoming a mother's son. Mary's body became a living sacrifice for her son. It makes me think of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, which says, You are not your own, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. And that verse in itself has so many applications, but this was the path that Mary willingly submitted to. And she does it not because she feels forced, because there is an angel there, or under pure authoritarian submission. No, she loves God. She recognizes that she is his servant, and she wishes to please him, and so willingly submits. So will you submit as Mary did, immediately, humbly, in full trust and faith, giving of your physical self, your physical desires and comforts, and submitting them to God. Let's turn to our second example, that of Joseph. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. We're we'll reading from verse 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So Joseph, too, had many concerns, concern for Mary, concern for his own future. The girl he was to marry, now he felt he needed to divorce her. And in the midst of that turmoil, he gets asked to submit to God's plan, and he does. He does so immediately. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he would have had concerns over ridicule at the story that he would share of how Mary came to be pregnant. Yet he proceeds and submits and obeys. And he submits in every detail as requested. As we see in verse 25, he gives him the name Jesus. And it would have been some time later, yet he doesn't forget and he obeys in that detail as well. So will you submit as Joseph did, immediately, in every detail, even as time moves on? Or will you be selective, choosing the areas and details you wish to submit in, but leaving a few stones unturned, secret sins unconfronted, unwilling to let go of certain habits and pastimes? Or will it be a short-lived submission, which wanes after a few months or years, May God give us the strength to make an immediate, consistent, and long-lived submission to his call. Thirdly, I'd like us to consider the shepherds and the wise men, and I've combined them as one example of submission. So we read earlier from Luke chapter 2 about the shepherds and how the angels visited them, sharing the news of Christ's birth. Now, they're a little different in that they weren't called to do something specific as directly as Mary or Joseph were. But I think if we look at Luke chapter 2, verse 12, it says, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And in a way, it's an indirect call for them to go and see Jesus. It says, This will be a sign for you. The only way to see the sign would be to go. So they have this amazing news shared with them and they recognize the magnitude of what God is doing. And they accept it is from God and they submit. And they lay aside their time and their work and they hurry off. And I don't know who was looking after the sheep. Maybe they had to call in uber shepherds as stand-ins, but they went. And notice too their response after seeing Jesus in Luke chapter 2 verse 17. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. So in their submission, God enabled them to lay aside their reservations or concerns about public opinion or fear of man and to go and share the good news. Consider the Magi or the wise men too. So if you flip to Matthew chapter 2, just verse 1 and 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, 
Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So similar to the shepherds, we are not told that they were given a direct request to do something. But even the Magi, though they were Gentiles, in other words, not Jewish, they recognized the scope and importance of what was happening and what God was doing. And they submitted themselves, their time and their energy, leaving their homes and comfort and traveling a great distance, possibly from Persia or Arabia, anything from one and a half to two and a half thousand kilometers away, giving of their possessions and wealth as gifts to Jesus. So may the Lord help us to have the kind of submission of the shepherds and magi, a sensitivity to what God is doing, to submit our time, our work, our possessions, our wealth, our reputations, our comfort, our safe places for the purposes of God. Finally, I want us to consider the submission of Jesus. For that, uh, let's turn to Philippians chapter 2 and we'll read verse 5 to 8. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 8. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So think of the glory Jesus had with the Father before his incarnation, the majesty of that position and relationship. Yet he lays that aside and submits to the directive of his Father to take this step in his role in the redemption story. It's a path that would lead to that moment in the garden when he would say, my Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. The moment when he looks to the cross and knows the suffering he will face and the separation from the Father. Now, of course, before the incarnation, he would have known what was to come. He would have known that he would face that moment in the garden and that he would face that time on the cross. Yet, he submitted in humble obedience to his Father, taking the nature of a servant. He left his home in glory, the God of the universe, to be conceived as two human souls. What an example. It's unfathomable for us. So will we follow Jesus' example and submit our position, our status, our privilege, our lives, our everything to God's perfect will? Friends, this life, it's not about what we want, the house we want to live in, the country we want to live in, or the suburb. It's not about the career we want to have or the job we think we would like most or make us the happiest where the friendliest people are, or where we will make the most money, or the position in society that we want to hold, or the way that we want to be perceived. 
It's about humility, about submitting to God and His purposes. And think about practical submission in everyday life. You know, we struggle with so many decisions daily, which way we should go on any number of issues, big and small, and we agonize over them. Now, imagine giving them over to God and saying, God, what would you have me do in this situation? And waiting on Him for that. I think there is such freedom in submission like that. And when it comes to sin, why do we keep carrying the burden of sin, submitting to it? When we submit to it, we fall under that burden and it's something we can't carry. But Christ has paid for it. Confess it, repent, turn from your sin and submit to him and let him lift that burden. Interestingly, Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds were all told to not be afraid. And I think that is significant as well because fear and uncertainty can drive us to take matters into our own hands, to not submit, to follow our own path and our own plan. Fear can drive us away from what we are being called to do, fear of the consequences. Maybe today you fear what it'll mean for your life if you have to submit to Jesus, and though you felt his draw on your life. Maybe you're an old Christian and you've felt his call to be serious and vicious and decisive in cutting out a long-held sin in your life. Or maybe you fear you will fail like you have done a thousand times before and you've resigned yourself to failure. Or perhaps you don't know Jesus personally but you felt that your sin is wrong, it's been eating at you, and you feel that you're not in right standing with God. You've tried to ignore it, you've tried to suppress it, you've tried to accept what the world says, which is that God doesn't exist, live however you want, but you can't, and you know that God exists, but you're afraid of what it'll mean for your life if you submit and what you may have to give up. Before you have children, you wonder and worry what it'll mean for your life. My time won't be my own anymore. We won't be able to go out as much anymore. We won't have as much free spending money. But then once you have a child, those thoughts disappear. And the absolute joy and wonder of that little life overwhelms you. So if that's what happens when you come to have children, How much more when you submit your very soul to a gracious and loving Savior? So, do not be afraid. Submit to God. Trust Him to do what you and no one else can, which is to change you, to save you from your sin. That's a major reason Jesus was sent. As His name declares, He will save His people from their sins, as it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. So let go of lesser things, worldly things that hold you back. Submit to God. Confess your sin to Him. Say that you are sorry. Turn from that sin. Ask Him to save you, to wash you clean. He is the Savior. And let the absolute joy and wonder of the saving power of Jesus overwhelm you. Give up your life for Him. Submit to Him and find true joy and purpose in serving Him. Let us pray.
Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these examples from the scriptures that we have looked at today of submission to you. May we not take their example lightly, but do some real deep heart searching and evaluation of the state of our own lives and where we need to submit to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your submission as you obeyed your Father and came to earth as a baby to grow up and walk that path to the cross to honor your Father and to purchase eternal life for those who will accept you as Lord and Savior and submit their lives to you. Holy Spirit, we are weak and worn out, so please energize us, renew our souls, give us the strength to lay aside ourselves. And if there are any here today who have felt your call, may they not let it go. Continue to work on their heart and bring them to yourself, we pray. Lord, encourage those who have had a particularly difficult year for those who have lost loved ones or been sick themselves or lost employment or had other struggles. Lord, prepare our hearts for Christmas. May the wonder of it not grow familiar or cold. Lay aside the worldly trappings of the season. Help us to focus on your right. Help us to teach these truths to our children and grandchildren and to share it with our friends and family. Thank you for the special time. Be with us further now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.